Thanks for tuning in to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Alexis and Suzanne here with a quick message about our early season one episodes. Just like it took Rory time to get settled into Chilton and the Gilmore Girls writers to develop the role of a random guy named Mick to the Kirk that we all know and love, here at Talking Fast, it took us some time to learn to podcast. As you listen to our early episodes, we ask for your patience as you witness our process of learning how to host a podcast, organize an episode, edit audio, get new equipment, and more. We also understand that sometimes you just like to skip over the Independence Inn and get to the good parts of Lorelai and Suki living out their dreams running the dragonfly. So if that's the case, feel free to skip ahead to after our mid-season one recap where we feel we hit our podcasting groove. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy and stick around. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 6, Rory's Birthday Parties. The Netflix bio for this episode is... Rory clashes with Emily when Emily plans a formal birthday party for her. Meanwhile... Lorelai organizes a casual get-together to celebrate. Wow. That's a pretty boring description. <laughs> yeah. Especially for such a, an, an intense episode, which I thought it was a great episode. Mm-hmm. It was full of drama. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Since we're on the topic of birthdays, do you have any amazing or terrible birthday memories that you would compare with Rory's here? You know... That's a great question. Something that occurs to me is something my mom told me about my birthday parties when I was younger. I was thinking about of like, these are the birthday parties where you invite like your whole class or like a lot of classmates and you do various activities, but always sugar is involved, usually in the form of cake, Mm -hmm. you know. And my mom said almost every single birthday, I would be like on a sugar rush throughout the whole party where I'm just so, so hyper, having so much fun. And then she said, I always crashed like toward the end of the party and I would just be crying, crying from the sugar crash. And uh, so my mom said it, she finally, she could tell when I had like grown up and I was like an older kid by the first party that I didn't start crying like before everyone went home but it was just like I'd be on such a high loving my party and then I'd just be sobbing over nothing at the end now I don't cry at my birthday parties anymore (laughs) oh that's good (laughs) I never had birthday parties like with friends and stuff I think I tried to once and almost nobody showed up which was a theme for many parties I had as a child. But my mom used to make the coolest birthday cakes for us. Like, they were full, elaborate scenes. And I have a picture, and I'll probably post it. Um, Actually, I think it's of me, or it's of my sister. But one of our birthday cakes, she made, like, a castle. And it was, like, a multicolored castle looked like something from Sleeping Beauty and it had like spires and everything and it was it was so cool. That's like my main birthday memories is cakes that my mom would make. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That's a next level cake. 
What kind of flavor did you like? I I don't remember what I liked as a kid. Probably just chocolate. Mm. But as I grew up, I I like chocolate with like a cherry filling in the center. That's my favorite. I was like chocolate cake, chocolate icing, just everything chocolate <laughs> as a kid. Well, I definitely didn't have experiences like Rory did. So I'm happy to talk mm-hmm. about her two birthday parties in this episode. Yeah. But before we do that, Intense. we of course know that we have to challenge ourselves to quickly sum it up in 30 seconds. Do I go first this time? I think it's me, actually. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Go. They are at a Friday night dinner. Emily and Richard have a lawyer coming over to make their will, so they are asking Rory and Lorelai to put whatever they want in the will. It also comes up that Rory's birthday is next Friday, so Emily wants to throw her a birthday party on that day. They can't get out of that Friday night dinner, so Lorelai's Stars Hollow planned party will be on Saturday. Um, They go shopping, Emily and Lorelai. They throw a party. Chaos ensues, drama ensues. There's a second party. And then Dean gives Rory a birthday present. And, okay. (laughs) It's pretty close. (laughs) Yeah, it could be worse. Nice. Um, Yeah, I think you got, like, the the plot, the main plot points mm -hmm. pretty well. None of the nuance, but (laughs) there's no time for that. Okay, let's see how you do. All right. Okay. <laughs> On your mark, get set, go. Okay, it's Rory's birthday. She's going to have two birthday parties, one that Emily is arranging and one that Lorelai is arranging. And Emily invites all of the people from Chilton um, without telling Rory or asking Rory. Uh, Lorelai takes and Emily go shopping to find a birthday present for Rory and Lorelai and Emily both have some strange ideas about what Rory would like. Um, then there's the party, and it goes badly, and then Lorelai's party goes well. Uh, I got too too distracted by the shopping trip. Okay. Yeah, you and I both. <laughs> Should we slow down and talk a little bit more in depth about our main moments here? Yeah, I think we should. And clearly, we've already mentioned this is around the theme of birthdays. I think maybe we should talk about that where we can talk about first, like, Lorelai brings it up to Emily. And Lorelai is interested in getting out of their Friday night dinner the following week to celebrate Rory's birthday. And Emily is not having any of that. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, we already knew that Emily was going to pull strings with Friday night dinner whenever she could. I feel like this is a little bit uh, too far to not have any leeway for a birthday, especially, um, is this Rory's 16th birthday? It seems like it. Okay. I mean, that's a big, that's a big birthday. I'm still culturally unsure why 16 is so important, but it is. (laughs) It has a whole TV show. That's true. I guess the driving, is it only that you get your driver's license? I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I know quinceañeras are, are they, they're earlier though. Um, Mm -hmm. Like bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs are earlier. Yeah, I really honestly don't know. (laughs) Yeah, and like the Sweet 16 show, for example, I think demonstrated that it was very gendered. Like it's all young girls in that show, if I think I, I didn't see yeah. much of it, but it's like 
young girls with like rich families who throw them extravagant parties i don't which is weird but yeah i wonder if that has like if when you come back to cotillions i don't know next season maybe if that is part of the explanation like at 16 you did your you came out or something right like you're a woman now society (laughs) Yeah, but it's a bit unfortunate in this situation that Emily is going a bit too far with this insistence because they've just had pudding, (laughs) which Lorelai reads, (laughs) she reads a lot into this pudding, uh, like an English major and a symbol would, right? (laughs) About how Emily is like listening to them and noticing what they like and is trying to kind of meet them at that level and say, I see you. I'm providing you something you like as a form of, like, love and recognition. And this is, you know, the opposite of that. This is the forced requirements, holding it over your head um, for what she wants rather than what Lorelai or Rory want. Yeah, and it just, it kind of goes back to all the tribulations we've had in the previous episode between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Although soon after this, Um, so obviously Lorelai doesn't get her way. She Mm -hmm. has to give in, I guess, and Emily's going to plan the party. But then Emily also invites Lorelai to go shopping for Rory's birthday present, which I think is kind of like on the same level as pudding, maybe just a little bit more explicit. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. this is more obvious that Emily's trying to, like, she knows that Lorelai knows Rory better Mm -hmm. and she wants to get Rory something that she'll actually like so I I feel like maybe the pudding was worthy of being read into a little bit (laughs) I agree or maybe it was like softening them up before saying no you can't have your birthday party (laughs) this is like even though Emily rejects Lorelai's requests about the party their storyline is still on like an upward trajectory because I think it goes Mm -hmm. up to the shopping trip, which is a positive moment between them. And that only means they have so much further to fall when they have really what is like an epic fight toward the end of the episode. Um, Because, yeah, Lorelai is really moved that Emily says, like, I want to get Rory a present that you would get her. She's like very clear about that. I wanted to ask you what you thought of the gifts that Lorelai was picking out for Rory at the mall. Do you think any of them, including that guitar case purse, are things that Rory would actually like? (laughs) Right, because we're operating on the theory that Emily goes to Lorelai because Lorelai knows what Rory likes. And then the question is, like, does Lorelai know what Rory likes? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure. I feel like she likes books quite a lot. I don't know if she wants, like, a purse in the shape of a guitar. Like, you can't fit a book in there. Or, I don't know. Yeah, they all seemed more like Lorelai's taste to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, if we think back to, like, the pilot episode where Rory's wearing her huge sweater that Lorelai makes fun of her for, and Lorelai's wearing, like, I mean, I guess in the next episode, like, a pink shirt and cut-off jeans and uh, cowboy boots. Yeah, everything that they were finding seemed more like something that Lorelai would love to have. And I almost thought that Emily's picks, while they were, like, over 
I mean, too expensive for a birthday present. Like, pearls would have been kind of intense for a birthday present for a 16-year-old. But Mm -hmm. they also seemed more like something that Rory would actually wear, who seems to like the kind of, like, more simple, kind of understated stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but, yeah. I mean, I guess the whole the whole purpose was to show them both kind of conceding. <laughs> yeah, bonding. And what better for, you know, social bonding between women than shopping at a department store, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm being ironic, of course. I hope that tone is coming through the audio. <laughs> but um, I did think it was interesting as a small side note. It seems like they're actually shooting on location. It looks like a real department store to me. And I think that's unusual because I think soon they'll definitely just be on, like, sound sets for a while. Mm -hmm. It seems like it would take a lot of effort to take a whole crew, set up a whole filming thing, get all those extras, like, on a location. Only for a scene that's kind of, like, it's pretty short. I I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that's true. And I hadn't even thought of that. The only other, like, mall scene that I can think of is a little bit later but it's a similar, like, department store kind of scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Everything else is definitely a set stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a very different vibe to it. Like, this definitely feels very early 2000s mall. Yeah. <laughs> it's that Hartford City scene, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah course yeah (laughs) the bracelets that they end up buying felt very 2000s fashion to me I certainly remember Mm -hmm. having like my whole lower arm covered in colorful bracelets that would break after like a week of wearing them (laughs) yeah they're basically just like plastic beads on a stretchy string (laughs) and the ones they got light up apparently yeah I can't see Rory wearing that to Chilton no no (laughs) Where she's trying to be taken seriously. <laughs> and speaking of trying to be taken seriously at Chilton, another major moment is that when Rory goes to school, shortly after she discovers that Emily has invited every all of her classmates from Chilton to the party, and Rory is mm-hmm. understandably upset about this, but withholds the information from Lorelai. Because Lorelai is telling her all about her positive experience shopping with Emily. So, like, once again, Rory is just stuck in the middle. Like, we talked about how she was put in the middle with Lorelai and Max. And now she's kind of in the middle again of trying to, like, maintain her relationship with Emily and her mom. And her mom's relationship with Emily. Like, this poor girl has so much on her shoulders in this episode. Yeah, I I completely agree. I felt like she was, yeah, I mean, she has to, like take care of everybody's emotions and keep everybody in an equilibrium because like she knows if Lorelai is angry at Emily she's gonna have to listen to it Mm -hmm. she's gonna have to listen to Lorelai ranting about it the whole time but I I definitely think she should have told Lorelai Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she should have like been able to get out of having that like I mean I guess there was probably no way to uninvite all those people at this point but I don't know. Something could have been, something could have been done. Like Lorelai could have run interference more at the party or something like that. But mm-hmm. that would have been so mortifying. Yeah, especially as a new student who already isn't getting along with people. Oh my gosh, it'd be so terrifying. 
I know. I had like chills all over when she is reading that invitation and realizes like everyone has been invited and there's nothing I can do about it. And then that she doesn't feel comfortable telling Lorelai about it for whatever reason just makes it so much worse. She has to like hold it inside and I just feel so bad for her. And like, it's not like she's not even close with her classmates. It's that multiple of them are actively rude to her and making her feel uncomfortable. Like Tristan and Paris and the other, like, uh, the other two uh madeline and louise right 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 yeah they're all antagonizing her actively it's not even a passive thing so to know well i guess we don't see all of them at the party ultimately but like it just makes it so much worse yeah and like the rest of the people don't know her like she walks into that room full of jilton students at the party and they're all just like who is that i I think it's the person whose party this is. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just so embarrassing. Yeah. This gives me I had a flash forward when I was watching that scene to when Rory um is at Yale and they Emily and Richard end up throwing like a party for her. That's basically like the most eligible bachelorette and they invite all of their they say like they're having a party for their friends but then it's like only their friends who have like young sons and she runs into logan there obviously um and that's when she's still dating dean though and they have that really awkward moment later on but it just made me think of like emily doing what she thinks is best for rory or what appearances are best for rory and how it is often opposed to what Rory actually wants or is comfortable with. Yeah, I was so angry with Emily at this point because mm-hmm. she is fully going off of her feelings in this. Like, she's supposedly arranging this party for Rory, but she does not consider Rory in any of the arrangements. <laughs> not in the food, not in even the dress, not in anything. I mean, she, okay, she gets... a present that Rory might like (laughs) but of everything else is just like only to make Emily feel better and at the very end of the fight she's like she tells Lorelai that Rory embarrassed her in front of her friends like that's not the point the point of this is that this was your granddaughter's birthday party and you made it a torture like just torturous for her Mm -hmm. it was terrible I was, I was really angry at her. <laughs> I was angry too. And I was thinking how she was unreasonable when she wouldn't move the Friday night dinner so that Rory could have her birthday party. But if that had been coming from a place of like she genuinely, now that she's getting closer with Rory, she genuinely wanted to have like a small Friday dinner with their family where they could celebrate her birthday and it would be intimate and lovely at least that would be coming from a good place and it would have a more, I think, like, um, a better justification, right? But it's not. It's coming from wanting to, like, put on this performance, like, a very, like, high society kind of, well, when we have birthdays, this is what we do. We invite all of our friends, not Rory's friends, and uh, we put on appearances for them and they, like, I don't know. It's like nobody was there for Rory. They were just there for that, like, obligation of the manners of their society. Like, 
Emily multiple times says Lori and Lorelai don't have manners or, you know, they're not behaving properly. And it's very clear what sort of rules she's referring to. And Mm -hmm. it's so then juxtaposed later on with the second birthday party and whatnot. But I was really, I was really angry with Emily and where she was coming from, from this episode. Like it wasn't for Rory. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was even like surprised that Rory then invited them to her real birthday party because I would have been so angry. I mean, I would have been angry if my grandma had asked me to make a speech in front of the guests, whether I liked the guests or not. Like, especially as a teenager, I I was, like, so, so shy. I couldn't have done that. But then add to that, like, the guests are people she doesn't like or doesn't want to be around. And then Emily gets mad at her for refusing to say that speech I would have been so angry at Emily I probably wouldn't have talked to her for like weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) definitely wouldn't have invited her to a party yeah I think it goes back to your point about Rory being the one to like maintain equilibrium between all of these different people uh because I like there she kind of try once Emily is upset with her Rory like approaches her a couple times and Emily sort of rebukes her and is cold clearly angry at her so I think Rory takes it on herself which I don't think it's her responsibility for this because I think she's in the right Mm -hmm. but no matter what she tries to like fix that in that moment or another thing could be that maybe Rory's like me where when I make people if I perceive that people are angry or upset with me I get extremely guilty (laughs) even if I'm in the right or wrong you know I am like such a people pleaser like Rory kind of of like I just cannot stand it if I think someone is upset with me I'm like I have to fix this (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that reminds me so uh Rory is a Libra oh can you explain what that means for our listeners Briefly. Yeah, I mean, Libras tend to be kind of people pleasers, mm. or they're more, they're, like, acutely aware of the feelings and, like, emotions of people on either side of a situation, so they tend to kind of want to keep things in a balance, um, and I feel like we see that from Rory a lot. I mean, I I don't know and I kind of doubt that the writers had any idea (laughs) of like the astrology of them well actually they might have because they there's a scene later where Luke and Lorelai talk about their astrological signs so maybe they did yeah but (laughs) but I think it's just like this whole episode basically is such a a Libra moment for Rory like she really kind of plays out all those traits Mm mm-hmm That sounds like a, yeah, that sounds very accurate to what goes down in this episode. The party ends with Emily and Lorelai having a really big fight. Mm. Basically, Lorelai kind of going to bat on Rory's behalf and saying basically what we've kind of said of like, you did this for you. It's not fair that you're being mean to Rory. Like you just got her in your life and she extended like an olive branch to you by inviting you to the party like you shouldn't be too proud you should come um I felt like Lorelai was making good points throughout this argument yeah I agree like Emily suck it up (laughs) be an adult here for your 16 year old granddaughter Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
She references the pudding again. Emily pretends like that wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Emily was just being ridiculously, like, stubborn and it was, yeah. Right, like Emily says, I spent a lot of money. I put a lot of time into the party and that could be good in theory, but it's like she's really doing it for herself, first of all. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's not what Rory asked for. So does it matter if you put in so much time on this party, if that's not what the person even wants. Like, you have to take into consideration their wishes. I'm probably repeating what we've said, but I before <laughs> we've, like, we've talked about how Lorelai and Emily fight, and, like, Lorelai is really adamant about what Rory wants. Like, Rory doesn't want to play golf. Rory doesn't want to spend time with Richard. And it's not true. Like, she doesn't actually consider what Rory wants. But I thought in this fight... She was very clear. She was right on the money. (laughs) Like, she knew that... She knew she was really going to defend Rory, and it was true. Yeah. I mean, Emily, like, bringing money and everything into it makes it seem like when you give somebody a gift, they then owe you a reaction or something, and that's Mm -hmm. not how gifts work. Gifts are supposed to be no strings attached, like showing that you love somebody it's not supposed to be here i give you this gift so that you do blah 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 for me that's called a business exchange (laughs) that's not a gift right and if that's what emily wanted she should have been clear about that from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah. lorelei points out that like she's emily is repeating the pattern that they had so she's saying Mm -hmm. you try to control her then you get disappointed in her And you shut her out, basically, which is really a quick summary of what happened with them. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in what Richard had to say, because he's kind of absent in all of this. Mm -hmm. Like, he is at the party talking about business, but he's not part of any of this, like, planning or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Right. I wonder what he would have said. But they do still lean on that of, like, very stereotypical roles of, like, Emily, the wife, the social party thrower. Richard, the husband, who just wants to be in his office smoking a cigar. It's, like, very separate spheres, separate roles. But um, I did think it was funny of him and all of his friends, yeah, doing business at the party. What did you make of this college fair scene that seems to mostly just be a transition? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it was also, like, on the weekend at school. Like, you'd have a college fair, usually, I would say, like, during the week. But I also thought it kind of functioned as a way for Rory and Paris to kind of interact in a a different way. Like, Paris, of course, at first is pretty um, offensive with uh, telling Rory she can't go to Harvard because, okay, and I calculated this, 10 generations of Gellers had been to Harvard. I made note of and- that, too. <laughs> That would have been about 250 years worth of Gellers, and Harvard was founded in 1636, so that is technically possible. Wow. Um, Thank you you for doing that research. (laughs) Because I was like, is that possible? So it sounds like I believe it. I now believe that she has that pressure on her (laughs) to be the 11th generation of Geller going to Harvard. Poor Paris. But I I also thought it was, um, so it was an opportunity for them to kind of interact in a less, like, combative way than they do in class. But also, 
for us to find out that Paris has a crush on Tristan, which is so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Preach. <laughs> Why? Right. I feel like it's that trope of the like incredibly smart character mm-hmm. and so it's like the opposites attract and you think like they're so intelligent they should know that person is shitty but they don't they can't see it and so hopefully in the end they can see it oh but it's so refreshing it's like Paris why no yeah. run away <laughs> it's so so disappointing mm-hmm. but I'm glad we're finally getting to see like not really another side of Paris but see like an evolution in their their relationship mm-hmm. a bit they're having a moment of peace like maybe the war is still going to go on after this but like in this moment it's peaceful and I think there's a bit I love I like the dramatic irony for the people who are watching this like us who have seen the show before because they say like oh if we go to Harvard it's not like we have to see each other right and like oh little do you know when you go to the same college you're gonna be roommates (laughs) so you'll see each other all the time such an interesting friendship trajectory yeah I look forward to seeing more as it unfolds yeah (laughs) what about um Lorelai's birthday party how did you feel about this completely different uh type of birthday party compared to Emily's I feel like a more fun title for this episode would have been like a tale of two parties (laughs) I thought it was really sweet though this is definitely a more it's more casual birthday party all of the townspeople are there as Emily later says you've got a quite an assortment of characters down there which I think is accurate it's like oh the very whimsical all of the all the people like Miss Patty and Babette and Maury and they're all sharing stories of Rory as a young kid this isn't just about the people they live near it, they're like a very tight-knit community very supportive and like cooperative and involved and I think it's very it was like very heartwarming and sweet to see I thought yeah they make fun of Rory's ballet skills as a child Mm -hmm. yeah I also loved the face cake which I don't know if those really happen much anymore but they were like such a thing probably just in the 2000s to have your face on a cake which is such a weird concept did you ever have your face on a cake? No. Me either. No, that was a, okay. a luxury I did not get. <laughs> it seems creepy to me, so I'm glad it didn't happen. <laughs> it really does. It does. I also wondered, and supposedly Suki made that cake, so it's like, do they have that set up at the Independence Inn, and do they often make face cakes? <laughs> or no. did she, like, call in favors somewhere? So I think we're supposed to believe that not only did Suki make it herself, she made it in Lorelai's kitchen and, like, within the span of one afternoon. <laughs> Impressive. I also wanted to try that food. It looked good. I know. I almost wonder if we should have another segment of all about food. Like, what is the food yeah. that you would want to eat from this episode? It might be hard to take down even more notes than we already do, though. But <laughs> yeah. I think it's safe to say anything Sookie Cooks would be nominated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the, the rasp-quat, raspberry-cum-quat combo that Jackson made. <laughs> Jackson, earlier in the episode, has been able to, he says, like, combine a raspberry and a kumquat. <laughs> and he describes himself, I wrote this down, as a god. And he says Mother Nature bows <laughs> down to him. 
I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, another moment I thought was fun from the party is when they're running out of ice and as if mm-hmm. by like superior knowledge, Luke arrives at the party with two bags of ice, which I thought was just incredible. Like he anticipated their needs. It was so thoughtful too. Um, and they like Lorelai very enthusiastically gives him a hug and greets him. And Emily looks at them very knowingly. And, you know, her intuition is not off on this one. Off by a couple seasons, but not off at all. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I I thought it was kind of creepy what Emily was doing. But at the same time, when I'm at parties, I stand awkwardly in places. So I understand what's happening. But, but yeah, I really liked... (laughs) She even, like, tried to bring this up to Lorelai later. Like, to ask who's the man with the ice. (laughs) Um, And how long have they been dating? Mm -hmm. And Lorelai becomes shocked (laughs) that it Mm -hmm. could even be a thought. But, and I know that, you know, this is a TV show, so obviously they scripted it this way. But you could tell even from that interaction that there was something more than just friendship there. Mm -hmm. Like there was possibility and obviously there will be a relationship at some point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I like that Luke was the one who brought like the practical thing that would have taken Lorelai away from the party if he had, if she had to go get it. And I'm sh- I mean he also had already given Rory a whole like birthday party in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he's just the the MVP basically. <laughs> he is the MVP. And I think there's not something too creepy about Emily like observing this and thinking there's something going on, but what is creepy is how she describes it because she says Luke is looking at her like it'd be like oh I know there's something here by the way he looks at you like oh that's a lovely way that's a lovely way to describe it but she says he looks at her like she's gonna give him a lap dance or that she is like a porter houser steak or something like that which is very creepy (laughs) and like that I don't think that's how he looked at her at all no I yeah and that's such a weird thing for a mom to say to her daughter also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he totally, he looked, I mean, it was like a an innocent kind of scene. It's not like he, yeah. Like, that, happy to see you <laughs> kind of <yeah>. look. <laughs> but that kind of, like, brings us to another part in that party where Emily and Lorelai are up in Lorelai's room. And Emily, like, sees a picture of Lorelai when she had a broken leg. And Emily had no idea that that had ever happened. And it really, like, drives home the whole point that Lorelai had brought up at the first birthday party, which was Emily doesn't really know them at all. She's been basically on the sidelines of their lives for so long that they're practically strangers, Mm -hmm. um, which is depressing, but true. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that earlier Lorelai told Suki that her parents have never been to her house. Mm-hmm. That was another surprising thing, especially because they do not live that far from each other either. So yeah. it's really, yeah. I think we got a lot of examples. The broken leg, the like never visited the house that communicate to us like the extreme alienation that has existed in their relationship so far. And you're right. It is, it's really sad. And it's, it was really sad to see Emily sitting there as like Miss Patty and Babette share these stories about Rory they know Rory more like as if they like 
much more than Emily does. And Emily is realizing, mm-hmm. like, I didn't get to see any ballet rehearsals. I didn't get to see or participate in so much. And I do feel really sad for her in that moment. I do think it's also interesting, though, that it's within an episode where we felt really angry at her. So I think it helps us balance our feelings of, like, we see her responsibility for why she's been so far away. Uh, But then we also feel sympathy for her of, like, oh, couldn't this have been mended? Or, like, you do almost wish, like, oh, yeah, it would have been... I wish she could have been there, you know, to see the mm-hmm. ballet stuff. And it's a lot of mixed feelings. Yeah. yeah, I think it really gives us a point to go, like, somewhere to go from mm-hmm. for the rest of the season and series, really, like, somewhere for Emily to develop as a character and, you know, like, a concrete starting point of mm-hmm. not knowing them at all. And we'll see what happens after years of Friday night dinners yeah see how it changes yeah her last line as they're driving away is she's right I don't know my daughter at all so I think you're right of like this is the starting point for the rest of the series she needs to put the work in basically and it's not going to be a linear line as we will see across (laughs) the show but it will go places (laughs) yeah I think we have one final scene that we should talk about which is I think it was a pretty cute scene Um, and it was at the very end so everybody's left the party Lorelai is washing the dishes and she looks out the kitchen window and sees Rory standing with Dean in the dark of the night (laughs) and (laughs) Dean gives Rory a little handmade bracelet um, which I thought was really cute and they have a super cute and awkward moment (laughs) I I mean for as much as we don't like Dean. I still say, like, <clears throat> in the beginning of their relationship, he is, it, they have cute scenes together, mm-hmm. you know? The fact that he, this is a thoughtful gift. It's really sweet. Like, not only did he think of her or get something for her, he, like, crafted it. Um, he puts it on her wrist and then holds her hand. Very, like, <laughs> know, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> baby steps of their relationship. And, of course, you love a secret relationship, right? It's very mm. scandalous and fun that they're keeping the secret from Lorelai. Not successfully, clearly. Uh, we'll see how long yeah. they can keep the secret past this episode. I know. I think they were kind of setting it up at the very end with Lorelai seeing them as, like, a kind of, um, I mean, not on the same level, but a similar circumstance with Emily not knowing Lorelai and Rory. And here's an instance where Lorelai actually doesn't know everything in Rory's life either. Um, We'll see where it goes from there, but I think that they were definitely trying to work with that kind of secretive mystery life kind of idea. (laughs) Yeah, like how well do you actually know your daughter is Mm -hmm. a big theme of this episode and at multiple points throughout the show. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Have you thought about what you're going to do for the rest of your life? At 16, this is truly the most important thing for you to be considering. The choices you make right now will determine whether you succeed or fail for the next 70 years. But don't despair. Go to a college fair. This year, the Hartford College Fair 
will be held once again at Chilton Prep School, since these are the students most likely to have family inheritance to spend on an Ivy League school. In the main courtyard, you'll find tables bedecked in school colors for all of your aspirational applications. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Columbia, etc. And in the back parking lot, you'll find flyers for the state schools in the surrounding areas, including UConn and the SUNY system. So stop by this weekend at the Hartford College Fair and let us help you make decisions for the rest of your life. If you visit the Federal Loan Tent and mention Talking Fast, you'll even get a free pen to sign on the dotted line. Remember, mention Talking Fast at the Federal Loan Tent to get a free pen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's head off to Rory's bookshelf to discuss the most notable pop culture references in this episode. And then let's go to Lorelai's closet to check out the best and worst fashion choices in the show. I'm only going to talk about it briefly because I have a suspicion it might have also been something you noticed Uh. and you know more (laughs) about it than I do. (laughs) But um, I was going off, I was just like picking up book references and stuff and <clears throat> At one point, like when they walk in to Emily's party, Lorelai says something um, Edith Wharton would have been proud. <laughs> and if I'm correct, Edith Wharton wrote like The Age of Innocence and that kind of like kind of high society um, turn of the century kind of novels. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was a, a great touch. I, I've only read Age of Innocence and I enjoyed it um, to the point that I enjoy that kind of. <laughs> pet uh, genre. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good jumping point for me because yes, I that was my pick for the bookshelf too. <laughs> and um, the line is like, Emily is setting up for her party and she asks Lorelai basically like, what do you think? And Lorelai says, I think Edith Wharton would be proud and busy taking notes. <laughs> and yeah, I Wharton is known for like writing novels of like New York high society, basically. And I think a good touch point is like the idea of the novel of manners. So you're it's really into like just giving you a snapshot of a group and like their customs, the rules that govern their society, uh, which I think is so accurate for Emily's world. Mm-hmm. She's like the she need, she's the Connecticut of like Edith Wharton could write a novel about Emily's world (laughs) and it wouldn't feel weird. Um, And so things like, yeah, parties, high society, like the leisure class, social expectations and roles are all like themes in Wharton. And Wharton even wrote about like a whole book on architecture and house decoration and things like that too. So uh, I think it's, it's definitely a high compliment to say that like Edith Wharton would be taking notes of like, how you are throwing your parties and like some people read Wharton as like almost like an ethnographer (laughs) of high society you know like that way and seeing some like the language of ethnography in her books Uh, my favorite by her are the house of mirth 
and um, the custom of the country as well. But Age of Innocence is the one that I think won the, the, the big prize, one of the big book prizes. So it's more Ooh, well known. Nice. But you can also think of Edith Wharton as like the precursor of like Gossip Girl, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. That's like a modern day example <laughs> of like the scandalous lives of Manhattan's elite, right? <laughs> That's what Wharton is like representing in her work. So yeah, I loved that bookshelf moment. I was just shouting from the rooftops when I heard that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if uh, if Edith Wharton were taking notes on this party, what she would say about the, the outbursts and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> not just the, the roles of the party, but also how the uh, host didn't give a speech and all that kind of stuff. Right. That's the stuff of novels, right? You need the drama and the conflict. (laughs) Seriously. It's not a good, like, novel of manners if everyone is, like, full of manners, you know? (laughs) That's true. There has to be some slip-ups. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, But moving on to fashion, what were you thinking about for Lorelai's Closet this episode? So I had to go back to a scene that we barely talked about, which was the rasp quat scene. <laughs> I just feel so weird saying that. I feel like it's it's a word that obviously it's not a real word, and it also like the parts that make it up seem like they should be bleeped out or something. <laughs> but um, I really liked Jackson's outfit. I thought it was adorable. He had like a tie-dye long sleeve shirt on that had green like just it was tie-dye and then from the elbows down it was just forest green and then he had overalls and his signature little beanie and I thought he was adorable um he like really puts a spin on the farmer outfit really Mm -hmm. (laughs) did you have any uh fashion things for Lorelai's closet I actually, it seems like we're corresponding so closely now. (laughs) I was thinking about Jackson's outfit too. And I wanted to note, he's actually not wearing a beanie. He's wearing a bandana in the scene. So it shakes it up. And I noticed this because Suki is also wearing a bandana, which is very common for her. She wears a lot of bandanas when she's cooking, which makes sense to like keep her hair out of her face. Um, and her bandana looks at like it's either knitted or crocheted. So I thought it was really nice, like homey look. Um, so I was also thinking about, I like Jackson's outfit. I liked that they were both wearing bandanas. Um, and then my last note in this is that I've noticed Suki wears a lot of pigtails. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai was even wearing pigtails herself at one point in this episode. And I thought this was interesting because... I don't really ever see anyone wearing pigtails anymore other than kids, basically. Uh, so yeah. I was trying to, rem- like, is this 2000s fashion where adult women or just adults in general were wearing pigtails and it's just out of date now? Or is it unique to these two? Uh, well, Lorelai doesn't wear pigtails that often, so I could kind of, like, bracket that. But Suki wears a lot of pigtails. I'm like, yeah, maybe it's to keep the hair again out of her face. But she also has a bit of like a youthful, exuberant kind of fashion, I would say. Mm -hmm. Or whimsical, maybe would be a better word. Yeah, I feel like it was a part of 2000s fashion. And I'm just thinking this because I'm like remembering Britney Spears 
I think in was it like the music video for oops I did it again or something where she's in this schoolgirl outfit and she has yeah pigtails and I kind of feel like there was a comeback for pigtails in that time mm-hmm. like the low pigtail definitely not yeah. the one that sticks out like above your ear but <laughs> the low like sexy pigtail or something yeah I like I'm familiar with the idea of pigtails as a way to do like the sexualization of like younger girls which is bad but I'm like Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the pigtails they're wearing in Gilmore Girls right like (laughs) I don't know like at least I don't think Britney Spears when I look at Suki in her pigtails (laughs) maybe I just think of like um practicality because like yeah you don't want your hair in your food (laughs) when you're cooking yeah but that's a good touch point she's great like little braids and stuff in her hair all the time too Mm -hmm. yeah welcome to stars hollow is a chance for us to take a nostalgic stroll through the town discussing its cozy and comfortable aesthetics um so for my welcome to stars hollow scene i went back to the beginning of the episode where Luke, uh, where Rory goes into the diner and Luke tells her where specifically to sit because he's put together a little, like, balloon celebration at a table with a coffee cake. And he's such, like, yeah, it's it's another one of those instances of this, the town being basically a chosen family for Rory and Lorelai and Luke is basically, like, a dad figure to her. Mm -hmm. Having this birthday set up and, like... He probably had it on his calendar and had been planning it for weeks to come up with that that coffee cake and everything and knew exactly when she would be in there. Mm-hmm. Had people stay away from his table the entire morning. It was adorable. <laughs> yeah. I actually picked that moment for my gazebo moment. <laughs> um, for the same reasons that you've said. I just thought it was so lovely so sweet that he knew it like I like yeah he probably had it on his calendar and to like think about all the different presents that Rory receives throughout the episode I would say this one is up there like with Dean's in terms of like thoughtfulness sweet sweetfulness I almost said um (laughs) I just loved this moment and he's so gruff with it too she's like well why do I have to sit over there I didn't know there were assigned seats he's like go over there and then it's such a sweet thing so it's like the the hot and cold of luke like on he's kind of like gruff but then also there's such a warm sweet core in him (laughs) yeah such a teddy bear basically Mm -hmm. yeah adorable have you did you think of any a moment first yeah yeah speaking of teddy bears i think it was so lovely that Richard was at Rory's birthday and we've commented before on their porch a couple times of how it's a very cozy stars hollow space and so I liked that it was Richard's kind of oasis and escape Mm -hmm. in this party and then the other cozy thing though is that their house is a very feminine space and So Rory brings out a magazine for him to read. And she's like, I know, you know, Richard reads newspapers, business, obscure literature that we've looked up before. And I have to guess this magazine was probably like Cosmopolitan or something like that. And she's like, I know this isn't your usual reading material, but it's what we have. And he's actually like 
very grateful to her. He does not complain at all about what kind of magazine it is. And she tells him there's a quiz in there that tells you, like, what season you are. And at the end of the episode, he doesn't want to leave because he's not done taking the quiz. And he's taking it very seriously. And it turns out he says, I'm in autumn, which I think is accurate, of course. We've talked about how fall is for Gilmore Girls. It's for... Mm -hmm. Gilmer guy Richard too (laughs) and I thought it was just I feel like I need to look up more words because I say sweet heartwarming and lovely all the time so I need to find more words to just evoke how I just thought it was awesome (laughs) yeah strangely that was my gazebo moment (laughs) so we'll just alternate no I I completely agree with everything you Mm. were saying I like one of the things that made that so that seemed so special to me was like, as an introvert at a party, I would love for somebody to, like, realize that this is what I need in this point. Like, this is what will make me enjoy this party is to just, like, allow me to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Rory, like, she just intuitively knew that she wasn't going to, like, if she had asked Richard to go inside and participate, it wouldn't have been fun for him. Mm-hmm. And what he needed at that moment was just, like, the okay to sit there by himself and read read this magazine and have fun that way um I really liked that I thought it was really sweet and heartwarming (laughs) (laughs) we need a thesaurus (laughs) I think it's time for Friday night dinner our once a week opportunity to critique something from this episode I think we can step away for a moment from all these happy fuzzy feelings (laughs) to talk about our Friday night dinner critiques probably do you want to take us away oh sure (laughs) so I definitely had a critique I mean obviously we've had many critiques so far this episode but mine that I picked out was for Tristan and specifically a line that he says to Rory um, after he has gotten Rory's birthday invitation and she's like trying to get away from him he says why are you fighting this you're gonna give in eventually and this is this made me so mad because I I feel like we see this kind of stuff in tv all the time where like this kind of persistence to like the point of basically being stalking is seen as romantic and seen as like uh, some sort of courting of a woman and it's supposed to yeah she at some point she's supposed to give in and be like yeah this actually is the love of my life but what's really happening is he's like sexually harassing her he's not leaving her alone he's disregarding her direct at like request for him to leave her alone and he's basically saying your consent means nothing to me because I'm just gonna keep going until someday you say yes and that's that's not consent. That's the opposite of consent. I just took my sexual harassment training for the university today, and mm-hmm. that is coercion, okay? I was just, like, so pissed off that that's... And especially that, like, knowing that at the time when this was on TV, he's, like, a cute guy, and I'm sure there were many girls out there who was like, just give in, just like him, he's cute. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is not what we should be having as examples of... I don't know, any sort of uh, romantic ideal or anything like that. And it made me think a lot about what we said last episode about his disrespect for consent and the line you brought up 
it's just like such clear evidence that we were right Mm -hmm. about his disregard in that area and I think your point about how I think you're so right to say the fact that he's so hot and like a heartthrob or whatever you want to say of like they they place Paris in this episode they this is a new thing like she has a crush on Tristan she's jealous of Rory for having mm-hmm. all of his attention like they visit they put someone in the episode to say yeah this behavior is desirable I wish I was on the receiving end of that behavior mm-hmm. so they're clearly not in on this critique I don't think I I mean I don't <laughs> think they are I think it's such a problematic thing that they include. Yeah. Mm. It is, I'm with it, you. Oh my God. Yeah. So aggravating. And he, I can't wait until the day that Dean punches him in the face. Right. I think that happens. I know they do get in a fight <laughs> yeah. at some point. Another really aggravating line when he comes to the party. He walks in the door and asks if Rory is coming to greet him. Like to her own party. And he asks where his birthday kiss is. And it's not even his birthday. And, oh, it makes me so mad. And it's like, this is very much the whole idea of the chase. And that Rory at the end is like the reward. So it's very objectifying of her. Not treating her as a person or a subject, but as an object that Tristan has to like work and work and work to pursue. And then he gets the reward of her like coerced, consent not even consent (laughs) just her coerced like it's so problematic and you're right that we could name so many other things where this happens but I hate it Mm -hmm. I started to have like a ton of typos in my notes like I just was losing spacing and correct like spelling just to say I like type I hate him I hate it this is so (laughs) I was so worked up watching this I yelled at my screen when he appeared he like puts his hand above his head like on the locker next to hers which is a very classic like teen boy move I don't think anyone actually stands like that from what I recall of high school of like lurching over someone by resting against your arm on the locker next to them yeah so bad it's such an invasion of space and it like traps you in so it's just another like a another manifestation of him being such a terrible person (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, did you have anything different for Friday Night Dinner for your critique of this episode? Not really. It was mostly okay. the, the Tristan stuff and something we had voiced earlier. Of just to reiterate how not okay it is that Emily invited all of her classmates without asking mm-hmm. Rory. It's just bad vibes all around and I just <laughs> felt really bad for Rory throughout this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad she got to end this episode with her cute little hand-holding with Dean. That's what she wanted. So innocent and sweet. (laughs) Yeah. And now let's meet at the gazebo. To discuss our favorite moment from this episode. Okay, so we've already basically gone over our gazebo moments, but this week we do have a gazebo moment from one of our listeners. Hi, Suzanne and Alexis. This is Leah. Um, Thanks for the lovely podcast. My gazebo moment from episode one is the final scene, which you both talked about, where Lorelai and Rory make up after their fight over junk food at Luke's diner. 
Um, I love this scene because my senior year of high school, my mom and I lived on our own, just the two of us, while my dad was away for work, and we got into plenty of fights. Uh, but when it came time to make up, we would always do so over a trip to Taco Bell, which is not as cute as Luke's Diner, um, but still is junk food. And I just love that Gilmore Girls captures the mother-daughter relationship and also its relationship to junk food. Thanks so much. Well, thank you. Thanks, yeah. Leah, thank for you, your gazebo <laughs> moment. This was awesome. And I, mm-hmm. I love that you do like reiterate the mother-daughter bonding um and I I also love Taco Bell but I I mean food and their bonding over food is something that comes up I feel like almost every episode mm-hmm. and I just I love that this is yeah the moment where they are able to make up and kind of have a like break bread together you know like mm-hmm. have a peaceful peaceful moment together yeah, like I think there are a couple of things Gilmore Girls is known for. Like they love coffee. It's very fall or small town. Um, but like the food is a big thing. Like it's like a, it's such a big part of their relationship actually. And I think it needs to be taken seriously that this is like their, the shared thing that they love that brings them together so often. And I think, I don't know, I don't have concise thoughts, but I don't think we should disparage Taco Bell for not being (laughs) Mm -hmm. as, you know, maybe quaint as Luke's, sure, but I think Rory and Lorelai would love Taco Bell, personally. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If they could have gotten a sponsor for the show, I'm sure Taco Bell would have been in there Mm -hmm. for product placement, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, everybody else... Please send us your gazebo moments um, from this episode or any episode we've covered or even the episodes we haven't gotten to yet. And do this in a one-minute voice memo and send it to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com and we will listen to it and uh, have a little conversation with you in our next episode. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And then, of course, we would like it if you could also please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. And, of course, you can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at TalkingFastPodcast. Cool. Until next time. (laughs) Yeah, until next time.